2: This week on The Pet Buzz, Gabriel Wrangle, the winner of the 143rd Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, is joining us today.
3: Learn which Mardi Gras parade has gone to the dogs.
2: February is National Cat Health Month. We are talking about urinary tract problems.
3: Find out more about the spokes animal for the Animal Legal Defense Fund's National Justice for Animals Week. Good morning. I'm pet
2: Charlotte Reed. And I'm
3: veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
2: You are listening to The Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. Radio where we want to help you take better care of your pets. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. So guys, what's up, Dr. Fleck? Um, right here with you. Right here with me, Nate.
4: Hey, how you guys doing?
2: Hey, okay. Well, let's kick off the show with some celebrity gossip. Well, Andy Cohen has been on air everywhere this week. (laughs) And actually, this is about Twitter. So if you don't know, Bravo Andy Cohen is the executive producer of Real Housewives reality franchise and a host of various reunion shows and specials. He also serves as the executive producer of Watch What Happens Live. Well, Andy has recently bought home a new baby and his dog Watcha has just ripped up one of the baby's new Jewish-themed toys, a Torah. Okay, so social media went wild when Andy posted a few videos of the baby and the dog and what had happened. Twitterverse told him to expect big problems with his Beagle mix. So don't you hate it when people want to give you unsolicited dog advice? Yes. My advice to Andy is to get some Jewish themed dog toys (laughs) at Copia Judaica. Good luck, Andy. I guess so. I'm going to post some of those Jewish toys the bagel and the locks and the Ba Mitzvah lamb. So Andy can take his pick. Maybe I'll even send Andy a gift bag. The Ba
3: Mitzvah. Ba okay. Mitzvah. Okay. All right. So, you know what? After being missing for eight months and traveling 175 miles, a dog was united this weekend with his Massachusetts family. Hmm. According to Mayner, Tom Wallacott, his dog, Kaiser, a five-year-old shepherd, disappeared in June 2018 after jumping over a wall while a woman was dog-sitting him. Okay. For the first three or four weeks, Wallacott said he drove 1,500 miles every day searching for his dog. He must not have a job, right, Nate? <laughs> the 130-pound dog had been previously spotted in Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Walcott even used a drone to help find his dog.
2: Now, that's interesting.
3: In January, a woman in Maine found out a dog had eaten half of the meat she stored on her porch.
2: How do you store meat on a porch? I, I never, know. I never I got that, that one. That
3: too, huh? uh-huh. Did the dog climb in a freezer or something? I don't know. She fed him for three weeks before animal control brought him to the no-kill shelter, On February
2: 6th. Yeah, local no-kill shelter. Okay.
3: That dog, later identified as Kaiser, acted timid and shy when he was first brought into the shelter. That makes sense. And when they took the picture so that he could be found or placed, his featured post received tons of comments, shares, likes by people on Facebook. And do
2: you remember we reported on that story where the report where the shelter representative said Facebook was great for the shelters because yeah, it was a great yeah. way of free advertising yeah. at, for putting the dogs up. So so this is perfect. Okay. Uh,
3: yep. this, story, this story helps verify that. And he's a cute dog. That. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So last week, Walcott phoned the shelter and identified the dog's features and provided teeth photos.
2: That's kind of interesting. <laughs> I
3: thought so too. <laughs> shelter board members and volunteer Morgan Miles told the paper the dog looked right at her when she called him Kaiser. okay. When he finally met his daddy, the dog seemed a bit timid. But once he realized that it was his owner, Kaiser started jumping on him and, and was just really going joyous. crazy. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. So you posted the video on our social media channels so everybody can watch.
2: I did. Because I love those reunions, you know, like eight months, 175 miles. I just can't believe that guy was driving like 1,500 miles. I mean, he loved his dog, but he must not have a job because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't do that.
3: You know, I really love that story, too. But I also love adoption stories where the dogs are hard to place due to deformities or their age. Oh,
2: so, you, so tell us this one you got.
3: Okay. A unique dog with two mouths. Two mouths? Let me repeat that. Two mouths. Okay. In Oklahoma was found a forever home, thanks to the owner of a local animal shelter. Oh, okay. So he
2: has found a forever home. Okay. Gotcha. Okay.
3: Okay. Toad, a five-year-old mutt and once a stray in Oklahoma City, has a second mouth on the side of her head. Say what? On the side (laughs) of her head, a second mouth. Where an ear would normally be. Okay. Okay. So the odd deformity features teeth and salivates.
2: I know Nate is shaking his head. Actually, <laughs> the, the picture of her, Nate, she's got like, looks like she's got three ears, but a, a mouth too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so again, Heather Hernandez, the owner of Mutt Misfits Animal Rescue Society, which took Toad in, adopted the pup for herself because the dog bonded with her and her family immediately. Cool. The teeth on the side of the dog's head are apparently connected to her skull. Therefore, they cannot be removed. So weird. A veterinarian told Hernandez that toad's deformity likely occurred after she absorbed her twin in utero.
2: How do you absorb your twin? Did they like kind of merge together or do you eat the twin?
3: I just kind of absorbed and became part of the So
2: weird. The I mean she could have been toad. a Siamese dog or something. It sounds weird. Okay, so I got a story. I specifically picked this one cuz it's from your old hometown, Jackson, Michigan. So and it's about Hmm. a cat because we don't talk about as many cats as I would like. So a cat looking for a spot to stay warm because, you know, in that part of the country, it's really, really cold. While here in Florida, it's like 80 degrees. Yes. Yeah. Okay. so a cat looking for a warm spot got trapped inside a car engine on Valentine's Day, but she was rescued by a group of mechanics. So a woman started her car on Valentine's Day in the morning and felt like something was wrong and quickly turned off the car to see what was going on. And what she found was a cat wedged deep in the car's engine compartment. So not wanting to hurt the animal, the woman had a tow truck take her car to the local Chevy mechanic. Amazing. Where the team pushed it into a service bay and worked to free the cat. Well, it turned out the cat now is named Chevy because she was trapped <laughs> herself inside a Chevy tracks. So, And she eventually was handed over to the shelter once she was freed. Well, anyway, Chevy is a domestic long-haired. She was trapped close to the car's serpentine belt. Do you you guys know what that is? I don't know what that is, but it's obviously way deep in there. Okay, so having the vehicle towed to the dealership really saved her life. She did have some injuries, and they are going to take some time to heal, but she is expected to make a full recovery. Thank goodness that woman did not continue to move her car.
3: It's amazing. What yeah. an amazing story. And
2: that she could literally see the cat inside. So once she's feeling better, Chevy is gonna be up for adoption. That's expected to take several weeks. But if you're a car lover, this cat can definitely <laughs> be yours. Well, we're gonna take a commercial break and be back with Gabriel Wrangle, the winner of the 143rd Westminster Kennel Club dog show. Stay tuned. You.
4: It's too late to turn back now. I believe, I believe,
1: I believe. I'm
5: There are thousands of dogs and cats housed in
1: shelters that need your help. Local shelter professionals and volunteers give their heart and soul to help unwanted animals and deserve your support. Americans give millions every year to national animal organizations. But unless you give to your local shelter, you can't be sure that money will make it to the pets that need it most. Adopt, volunteer, and give to your local animal shelter. To find your local shelter, go to HumaneForPets.org
2: thank you so much for joining us on the pet buzz this morning this show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo i'm charlotte reed and
3: i'm veterinarian dr michael fleck
2: we enjoy being with you each week talking pets well his name is king and he is king of the dogs King is the 15th of his breed to be named America's top dog at the annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. The victor was shown by Gabriel Rangel, who is now a three-time Best in Show winner as a handler. That's one short of the all-time record of four shared by Peter Green, who made the night's final decision. Green was the Best in Show judge.
3: And to learn more about this most-talked-about win is Gabriel Rangel, the winner of the 143rd Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Gabriel, good morning, and welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Good morning. So, I'm really excited to find out what your thought was, but what was the first thing that you thought of when the best-in-show judge, Peter Green, singled you out as the winner of the 143rd annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show?
6: Well, it was so exciting, and I truly was just very proud of King for achieving that.
3: It was exciting for us watching it, that's for sure.
2: Well, I think for me, I mean, watching you, because I I could see you so close from where my seats were. I mean, I think it was the first thing I thought is, wow, number three, how impressive that is for you, Gabriel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and well-deserved, of course, because, you know, you've paid your dues, you know? But really, I want to know a little bit about King. He's very handsome. So can you tell us a little bit about him? Uh,
6: King is a very happy dog. Uh, He's a wonderful family dog. He loves children. He's always been raised with children. Mm -hmm. And uh, he loves kids every time he sees them. He's very happy. Um, And he's a wonderful fox terrier. Um,
2: And he's seven, right?
6: He's seven. He's Mm -hmm. seven years old, yes. Yes.
2: Now, I'm curious. So this is your third one. Now, is he trilingual? Because obviously you speak Spanish at home sometimes. He's from Brazil. And then he's, you know, here in America. So is he trilingual?
6: Well, I'm pretty sure he understands the three languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, Charlie was just saying, this is your third time being victorious. Is, is this different from the others? How is it? Well, uh, every time you
6: uh, uh, get to receive an award like this, like, you know, best in show anywhere in the in the country, uh, is very special. But to me, this was very special because the judge, Peter Green, is the most famous terrier person in the world. And it's not just me saying it. Everybody knows that. So for him to award King best in show and the most important show for us is is like is a tremendous honor. And we're very, very honored to receive.
2: it. No, I mean, I and I and I say this because I was writing an article today, which will appear in a local magazine. Um, you know, Peter Green is a mentor to so many people in the dog world here in the United States, as well as across the pond, because he's not only won Westminster four time, He's also won Westminster with a dog that he won at Crofts, and only one other person's done that. So, um, and that, and that's really special. And to to have Gabriel, who's such a hardworking person, be recognized is hey, really, really an honor. We,
3: we can think of Gabriel as being the Tom Brady of the dog world.
2: No, Gabriel's better than oh, that. Okay.
3: Okay. <laughs>
2: well, Yvonne is a Giselle. I will say that. His <laughs> wife is a Giselle. She's got it going on. You're well, right. And if You're you've right. just joined us, we're talking with handler Gabriel Wrangle about winning the best in show of the 140. WKC dog show. You know, Gabriel, my dad always told me that America is the land of opportunity and that you can succeed here beyond your wildest dreams. Do you feel that's true since you emigrated to the United States years ago to show dogs?
6: Your dad is absolutely correct. It's, uh, I think I, I feel that I'm the living proof of that. Um, I live in the American dream myself is, uh, I mean, I cannot ask for any better opportunity than that.
2: Like I said, you know, we talked about Peter Graham. Gabriel is literally so well-liked and so well-loved. And so
3: talented. And so
2: talented. I mean, but really what I love about Gabriel is I love when I see him and his family all together. He's got a wonderful wife. He's got three kids. And I know one of his children has allergies dogs and other things. But when you see that whole family together, and I just literally, I wrote this on your wife's Facebook page this morning, great Americans and so reflective when you see all of them together, they represent good sportsmanship And they're to normal me. people, yeah. but
3: they're champions.
2: That's absolutely right. And his daughter shows dogs. It's just, it's lovely it's to fun. see. It's just great. It is. And, and we mentioned this last week, Gabriel, the nice thing I said last week when I came back from Westminster, it's so nice to see how your children are growing up. What an accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very easy breezy last question. What's next? Can we (laughs) anticipate a fourth win?
6: Well, there's no way to anticipate anything like that or (laughs) things like that. It will be like crazy. But it's just, you know, we always do uh, what we do and and work with the dogs and, uh, you know, Let's see what the future, what a surprise it comes for us, right? Well,
2: you're a young man. You know, four and five is only a lifetime away, I can say that. (laughs) Well, anyway, before you you leave us, please give us your your Kennel Club website so more people can learn about you and the wire foxes that you show.
6: Yeah, Rangel Kennels.
2: Okay, great. Well, everyone, that was Gabriel Rangel, the three-time winner of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, and like I said, a true champion and one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Warmer
5: temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to The Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet Charlotte Reed.
3: And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, the mystic
2: crew of Barkus isn't like any other Mardi Gras parade. This one has really gone to the dogs. Mm. Man's best friend is the center of this parade through the streets of the French Quarter with their humans acting as escorts. Additionally, dogs are costumed according to... The central parade theme.
3: And joining us today is Gregory Curtis, president of the crew of Barkus. Gregory, good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz.
4: Good morning and thank you for having me. I'm very excited about talking with you about the world's greatest Mardi Gras crew.
3: Oh, great. It
2: is. It is. It is the world's greatest. (laughs) I mean, I've been there. It's the greatest. It's the greatest.
3: Yeah, we really do. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, why should the mystic crew of Barkus Parade be in every dog lover's bucket list?
4: This is a no-brainer for me. <laughs> I think because of the good work that we do, and Charlotte knows all about this because she's been there at the parade and she's seen the animals that we have up for adoption there, and she's seen the charities that benefit so much from the work that we do. I think because of the party, and I say that. P-A-T-Y, P-A-W-T-Y, <laughs> is all about the dogs and all about, you know, th- what they would like, to, <laughs> the fun that they like to have. And that means sniffing and and, uh, and eating and, and drinking and uh, reveling. And for once, a lot of dogs that certainly uh, have had a rough life can come out and be a king and a queen for a day.
2: You know what I love so much, honestly? I mean, it's a great day, and I've told you, Dr. Fleck, but... What is truly remarkable is the hours and hours that Gregory and the mystic crew of Barkis put on in this parade. And these people love doing and giving to the community. They love helping the dogs, And that's really why they do it. But they love their community, and they are never, no task is too big or small for everybody who's part of this crew.
3: Come on, it's New Orleans.
2: I know, but it, th- these are very special people. I just, Everyone is just very special. And they're just so devoted. And that's why I, I'm in love with you all so much.
4: <sighs> okay. I, I think when you were there that day and, and you saw the uh, me out there and we were moving barricades and we're standing in the rain and that, it was kind of funny. You looked at me and you said, it's raining all around, but actually right above your head the sun is shining something to that effect so it's not you know it really wasn't about me but it's just a labor of love and i'm glad that you that shows and it shines through with uh with with all that we do
2: well uh, you know it's funny because we've been talking about this so many crews are known for their charitable works and i know every year every year um the crew decides um you know where to give donations what money to give so Tell us where you guys are making your contribution this year. What charities?
4: We're we're spreading it across five main charities. Uh, the Humane Society of Louisiana. We have a group called PetSmart, uh, which actually uh, does uh, charity work in the community. It's a no-kill shelter. We have uh, Louisiana SBCA, Jefferson SPCA. Uh, those are pretty much the main big ones in the Doberman Society. Uh, But we, we just, you know, we give where it's needed. We give some big checks for those who volunteer and we'll be giving those out Friday night at the ball. But uh, as the year goes along, we sit back and we watch what, where, where the need is, where, where, you know, we'll hear about a shelter that's closing up somewhere in, in Louisiana or Florida or, or Texas. And we say, okay, we want to step in. We want to make a difference. And someone has, read something off the internet or they see they get something on facebook and our other social media and that's how we go in and we make a direct impact to those charities who need us the most
3: okay gregory your crew and parades have very unique themes so what's the 2019 theme
4: it's the big
2: bark theory big bark theory 2019 comic
4: and you know what this is the second most uh, nominated theme, and this is how the theme, we come up with the theme. We have a committee that gets together, and they give us a list. And this is the second most nominated theme that we've had in the life of Barkus. And uh, one was Barcusto with 10,000 fleas under the, the sea. And this is the second most after that. And we get, we stay away from water things because they seem to bring torrential rains, like <laughs> when we did Titanic, But uh, and this one here was was put up, like, I would imagine, dozens, dozen, 15 times, and we passed it over. But That's okay. Big Bark Theory.
2: Big Bark Theory. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Greg Curtis, president of the Mystic Crew of Barkus, talking about Big Bark Theory. Barkus goes to Comic-Con 2019. So just really quickly, describe the celebrations. You know, what do participants and bystanders have to look forward to, you know? where those Mardi Gras beads are coming from.
4: Okay. Well, it, uh, we have like a, a day-long event, but certainly you're part of, 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 of coming to that day-long event. To the, today we just had a huge celebration at the uh, Barker's Room, which is a room like a museum that's dedicated to Barker's that was donated to us by our founder. It's actually on top of a hardware store right on the edge of the French border. And we had a, uh, an event there today, uh, and it, it was a huge announcement of royalty and all. And we have several events, including a brunch. We had tea this last weekend at the Windsor Court, formal tea. We have a, a flag <gasps> raising above the Windsor Court.
2: I missed Hell, the
4: tea. This... Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a, a tea, and the Queen made her official uh, appearances over tea. It's old uh, English tea at the Windsor Court, which is one of the great tea rooms of the world, and it's the same location where we have our ball. but we had a tea this weekend, Monte Gras tea uh, and she was like the belle of the tea the like uh, and so we we have the uh, brunch at Galois, which is a famous New Orleans restaurant here, and that is Friday with a with the uh, captain's proclamation and then on Saturday we have. A number of smaller events at uh, different locations, including a local restaurant called That Dog and uh, television, um, certainly, and radio. We'll we'll be doing a lot of those promoting uh, events, promotional events. And then Sunday, we have what we call the party, and it is a day-long celebration there in Armstrong Park. And it uh, it starts before the parade, and it, uh, it runs counter with the parade and it ends uh, later on that evening with, uh, with bands, music, food, just uh, people and their pets out at the park. It's one of the unique things that we bring together all of factions of our society, families with small children, single people, uh, just, just really anybody who has a love for dogs and certainly those who do all the work in the, in the shelters uh, come together with us. And we certainly have pets for adoption that day, it's just a day-long, really, really huge fun event for, for those uh, charities that we support.
3: Like, like we said, bucket list for dog lovers. So, again, remind us where the date and time is. Is it too late to come?
4: It's not too late to come. It's not too late to register. You go to Barkus.org, and that's, again, Barkus, B-A-R-K-U-S dot O-R-G, and uh, you can sign up and register and become a crew member. Uh, Our parade is Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m. at Armstrong Park. We kick off right on time, but the celebration begins uh, Sunday at 11 a.m. and runs to 5 o'clock p.m. there at Armstrong Park. Uh, We'll have bands again. We'll have food. We'll have marching bands in the parade. It's just a huge celebration. We'll have uh, animal charities there on display uh, with dogs, pets for adoption, Uh, We will have uh, just a lot of activities, including uh, a show there on stage, uh, costumes, just where we'll have people in costumes, dogs in costumes. We'll even have Hank the pig in a costume (laughs) in the parade. You can find me
2: on the balcony of good friends throwing off Mardi Gras beads.
4: Yes. Looking forward to seeing you again and so happy (laughs) that you can join us again. We really appreciate your support, Charlotte.
2: Great. Well, everyone, that was Gregory Curtis, president of the Mystic Crew of Bark is discussing the upcoming Big Bark Theory Mardi Gras weekend. I'm so excited. I'm going to be there tomorrow. I can't wait. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a buzzworthy moment talking about common feline health ailments, urinary tract problems. Now, this is a segment not to be missed for you cat lovers.
5: Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.
1: I'm
3: petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
2: Here at the Pet Buzz, we're urban,
3: Urban, suburban, and country. Country.
2: Well, did you know that February is National Cat Health Month? According to the 2017-18 Pet Ownership and Demographics Sourcebook, survey findings show that dog owners have a higher propensity to obtain veterinary care than owners of other types of pets. Well, in 2016, dog-owning veterinary clients made three visits to the veterinarian, while cat-owning veterinary clients made 2.4 visits. I don't know how they get the 2.4, but
3: in other words,
2: it's less than dog owners.
3: So today we are going to talk about common feline health ailments, urinary tract problems. And joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Sherry Sanderson, from the University of Georgia College of Veterinary Medicine, Department of Veterinary Biosciences and Diagnostic Imaging. Dr. Sanderson, thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning.
0: Oh, you're welcome, I'm happy to be here.
3: So what causes lower urinary tract problems in cats?
0: Well, feline lower urinary tract disease is a general or what we call umbrella term for a lot of other underlying problems. Things that can result in lower urinary tract disease in cats are things like bladder stones, urethral plugs, urinary tract infections. Rarely do we see cancer, but it can be a cause. And then something known as feline idiopathic cystitis. And by the word idiopathic, what we mean is we don't know the underlying cause, but it's very similar to a condition in women called interstitial cystitis. And feline idiopathic cystitis is actually the most common cause of lower urinary urinary tract disease in cats.
2: Wow. I didn't realize, I mean, because people are you know, when they talk about cats, and I'm a cat owner too, although I have so many dogs, people don't realize I'm a cat owner, but you just don't realize when people say urinary tract problems, there's not just one health condition, there's so many. So that's why right. I think that when your cat is having a problem, the best thing to do is to take them to the vet right away because it sounds like you just won't be very easily to pinpoint it unless you do see the veterinarian.
0: Absolutely. And the longer you wait the more costly
2: it often is. So um, I have a question. So which health conditions might lead to lower urinary tract problems?
0: Well, cats with a history of chronic kidney disease or um, some some people may know it as chronic renal failure or any kind of urinary tract procedure like a surgery are at risk of lower urinary tract disease. And um, for example, cats with urinary tract procedures may be more at risk of urinary tract infections. Uh, cats with diabetes mellitus may also be at risk of uh, greater risk of a urinary tract infection. And then for feline idiopathic cystitis, this actually involves inflammation of the bladder. And it's thought that stress may be an underlying precipitating factor for this condition.
3: If you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Sherry Sanderson about urinary tract problems in cats as part of our National Cat Health Month. So how can pet owners tell if their cats have lower urinary tract problems and what should they do if they suspect their cat is suffering from that horrible ailment?
0: Well, one of the more common signs of a cat with lower urinary tract disease is going to the litter box frequently and getting out only small amounts of urine or no urine at all. And um, increased frequency of urination of small amounts is known as polyuria. They also may go to the litter box and just strain and strain as they're trying to urinate. Uh, Oftentimes, they may be vocalizing when they're trying to urinate because they're undergoing a lot of pain. If you notice that any of the urine coming out is pink-tinged or blood-tinged, that may also be a sign that they have a lower urinary tract disease. And also, unfortunately, some cats will start urinating outside of the litter box, and that's because they're not bad cats. It's just they they learned that every time they go to the litter box to try to urinate, it's painful, so suddenly they start uh, associating the litter box with pain, and so they try going somewhere else to see if that alleviates the pain and then, if the problem goes untreated um, depending on what the underlying cause is, they may also um, start to have a reduced appetite appetite or or they may lose interest in any of the activities going around and become depressed.
2: Well, I'm just curious. So, you know, in, in many cases when we see a health problem, sometimes it has to do with a certain specific breed or a various age uh, group. Um, when do most urinary uh, tract problems occur or can it occur anytime? And do we see it with any specific breeds? Are big cats susceptible or small cats susceptible? Um,
0: Persians and what we call domestic long hair cats, are more prone to lower urinary tract disease than other cats. But um, we generally see it in cats over one year of age. And um, younger cats may be prone to what are called struvite crystals or stones. But then middle-aged and older cats may actually be more prone to calcium oxalate. Also, if your cat is overweight, which over half of our pet population (laughs) now is, obese or overweight. we got fatty um, caddies. And they're inactive. (laughs) Yeah, and they're inactive. Those cats are more prone to lower urinary tract disease. Also, cats in general tend not to be big water drinkers. And so if you're not supplementing their diet with some canned food, they may also be more prone to the problem. And then it turns out cats that are living in multi-cat households uh, may be more prone, and that may be related to stress. Hmm.
2: Huh, it seems like the long... I mean, I've I've had urinary tract problems with my cats. I used to sow uh, Himalayans. I have one left. Um, but two of them died from lower urinary tract mm. problems. Mm. It was just horrible. Oh, no.
3: So so we got a cat uh, owner. They're recognizing they have these urinary tract problems. Uh, they take it to us as veterinarians. How do we diagnose it?
0: Well, probably the first thing that the veterinarian will do is, is palpate the bladder and... They're assessing the size of the bladder because that's going to help them kind of rule in and rule out certain underlying causes. For example, if the bladder is large, um, that makes you more suspicious that the cat has a urethral obstruction. If the bladder is very small, then it's more likely that the cat has um, feline idiopathic cystitis or that it has a urinary tract disease. And depending on what's going on, they'll almost always do a urinalysis to take a look at that. And if it's an older cat in particular, they may do a urine a culture as well. Urinary tract infections in younger cats are less common, but as cats age, the incidence of that increases. And then in order to rule out things like stones, if that's on their list of rule-outs, then they'll need to take radiographs or possibly do an ultrasound.
2: Well, you know, I'm curious, Is there anything, uh, any preventative measures that cat owners can take? Uh, One of the things that they can do
0: is not feed really high um, protein diets. So I know there's a lot of uh, media out there and advertising that's telling cat owners they should be avoiding carbs in the diet. And there's actually um, no foundation for that recommendation But it's been shown that if if people are feeding high-protein diets in cats, that that can increase the risk of certain problems. So cats um, need a minimum of 26% protein on a dry matter basis in their diet. And if you increase that dietary protein level from 35% to 57%, It increases urine calcium by 35%, and it decreases urine citrate by 45%. And citrate helps prevent crystals from adhering to each other. So by feeding these high-protein, high-fat, low-carb diets, we're actually increasing the risk of them developing a problem called calcium oxalate stones. And then if owners will feed some canned diet, that's also been shown to be helpful because, again, cats are not big water drinkers. And each one of those cans of food that you have in your hand is generally about 70% water. And you can even add more water to the canned diet and make a milkshake with it to increase their water intake. Great idea.
2: Great idea. So 26% protein diet. We have to have some wet food. We want to keep our cat thin because that would you said that (laughs) would be helpful. And maybe invest in a water fountain. Or let your cat drink too. out of the streaming water. Just don't leave it on. A lot of pet owners, cat owners make that mistake. They like to leave the water on or the cats try to turn the water on themselves and then they come home and then they have a big flood in their house.
0: Yeah, as I've heard of that happening, I actually have sink drinkers at home where in the morning in my bathroom, I have to turn on the water because <laughs> that's where they like to drink from. So um, and when I'm getting ready for work and trying to brush my teeth, I have the sink drinkers there trying to get. <laughs> their drink of water. So, yes, that, that's a good way to increase water intake as well.
3: Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say it's fair to say anyway that this disease hurts, and that uh, it's difficult to uh, diagnose and treat. Outcomes sometimes can be challenging, and it's expensive.
0: Um, it yeah, I would agree with all those things. Um, depending on what's going on, um, the long-term treatment. Some of it will just be diet and actually diet plays a huge role in, in most of the underlying causes that are associated with lower urinary tract disease. If you have to do something like surgery, um, that tends to be a bit more expensive and and maybe out of the price range of some people.
3: Well, Dr. Sanderson, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you give us your vet school website and website where we can learn more? There's a a couple
0: of places you can look, Texas A&M has a website called Pet Talk. So it's vetmed.tamu, for Texas A&M University, .edu, slash news, pet talk. Um, they have something on lower urinary tract problems along with a lot of other different um, conditions. Also, actually, hillspet.com, slash health, has a very nice section on cat care education, and it's written in terms that are easy to understand. They talk about multiple conditions there. um and it's meant for owner education. It's not um, promoting any diet or anything like that. It's surely um, helping you
2: understand your cat. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing those useful and helpful resources. We appreciate that, Dr. Sherry. Well, everyone, that was Dr. Sherry Sanderson from the University of Georgia College of Veterinary Medicine discussing urinary tract problem in cats. You know, if you think something is wrong with your cat is having problems around the litter box, I encourage you, don't wait. Call your vet and make an appointment. We're going to take a commercial break and be back discussing Animal Legal Defense Fund's National Justice Week for Animals. Learn how to identify and report
3: animals. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? Epi Pet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com.
2: So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg
5: rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the (coughs) ShelterPetProject.org.
2: The Dynamic Pet Duo is back at you. I'm petroendologist Charlotte Reed. And
3: I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
2: We are giving you some pet buzz to get you and your animals through the week. You know, the Animal Legal Defense Fund's National Justice for Animals Week held February 24th to March 2nd is an annual event dedicated to raising public awareness about animal abuse, how to report it, and how to work within your community to create stronger laws and ensure tougher enforcement.
3: And joining us today is David Rosengard, staff attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. David, good morning and welcome to the Pet Buzz.
7: Good to be here. Thank
2: you. Well, I'm going to start out with the first question. So, David, why is National Justice for Animals Week so important?
7: Well, it's important for Two main reasons. One is it's an opportunity to have people think intentionally about ways that animals need help and ways that people can get them help in their communities. And the second is a way to look back on the prior year and recognize particular individuals who've gone above and beyond in protecting animals from neglect and abuse.
3: That's just awesome. Who is this year's spokes animal? And can you share his story with us?
7: I can. So this year's spokes animal is Justice. Justice is an eight-year-old horse um, in Oregon, and Justice has a fascinating case. Uh, his his former owner had neglected him fairly severely. He'd been uh, starved. He'd been left out in freezing temperatures, and as a result, he's got permanent, ongoing medical needs. Uh, the good news in this case is. Law enforcement was informed about what was happening. They got him away from the abuser, and his abuser pled guilty. But unfortunately, her guilty plea only involved her covering his necessary costs of care up until the moment of that plea. And he's going to face medical costs for the rest of his life. So Justice is actually suing his abuser in court to cover those ongoing costs.
2: Wow, that's new. Yeah.
7: It is. It would be the first time that has ever happened uh, if he if he ultimately succeeds. So that is currently getting ready to go up before the Oregon Court of Appeals. And we're very excited to see how it resolves.
2: How is that going to work, though, David? I mean, doesn't he have to give his approval? I mean, it's not like it's Mr. Ed or something. I mean, how did I mean, I'm not making and, a joke, but I mean, how how does that work?
7: Yeah. So it works uh, a lot like it would with any other individual who doesn't have the capacity to give their approval. So if it was a a human adult who was incapacitated, or if it was an eight-year-old child, uh, the way I usually like to explain this case to non-animal people is I run through the facts. I say, you know, there's an eight-year-old who's neglected, who has all these things happening to them, who has medical needs. And uh, I say, so we're going to file a civil suit. And they nod, and they, especially at their attorneys, they say, well, that makes perfect sense. That's a textbook example. What's the problem? And then I say that eight-year-old's a horse, and their eyes get really wide, um, because that really is the only difference. And so in this case, he has a guardian and he has a trust that is doing that for him, just as they would if he was, uh, you know, anyone else who didn't have the full adult capacity to file a case.
2: Interesting, don't you think so, Dr. Fly? I sure do. Yeah. OK, so if you've just joined us, we're talking with David Rosengard, staff attorney for the Animal League Defense Fund. And this is upcoming is National Justice Week for animals. So, David, one of the things I know that you guys promote is really understanding the signs of animal abuse, neglect and cruelty. Can you tell our listeners, uh, can you just go over those a little bit for us so that we know what those are?
7: Certainly. Uh, And I'll preface this by saying every state's laws are different, uh, but these are some general tips. And if you see these kinds of things, my first advice is always to get in touch with your local law enforcement, because they're going to have the legal expertise to follow up and figure out exactly what's going on. But they can't do that without citizens like your listeners taking action and reaching out to them. So... The first things to be aware of are, are just animals acting in strange, unusual ways and, and not getting the help they need from their guardians, from their owners. So if you've got animals that are making distressed sounds, if you've got animals who seem significantly underweight, you know, if you can see their ribs, if their body doesn't seem right for the kind of animal it is, uh, those are those are good signs there may be something going on there where the animal's not getting the help it needs. In terms of proactive cruelty and abuse, certainly animals with uh, injuries, uh, particularly if those injuries aren't explained. Uh, and in terms of sort of the far spectrum of abuse, animal fighting, if you've got uh, dogs or roosters that are being housed in separated uh, kennels or little triangular birdhouses that are spread out just close enough that they can see each other, but not close enough that they can ever interact. Those are pretty good signs. And again, there may be innocent explanations for these things. You might have a skinny animal that is fighting cancer and is getting all the care it needs, but the best way to be sure is if you feel comfortable talking with the person who owns that animal, if it's your neighbor and you've got a good conversation, ask them what's going on. But if you've got any concerns at all, let law enforcement know. It's their job to follow up on that and keep animals safe just as it is their job to keep the rest of us safe.
3: Hey, David, give us some tips for reporting animal abuse.
7: Yeah. So the best ways to report that are going to be uh, to your sheriff, your police officer, um, or animal control, depending on where you are They may have different responsibilities, but if you get in touch with any one of those three agencies, they'll figure out who you need to go to. But the key is giving them specific, clear information. So if you see something, take photos. Uh, If you can pull out your cell phone, take some photos, take some video, that will help law enforcement know exactly what's going on. Uh, Give them specific times and dates. Uh, if If you've seen an animal being beaten by someone um, and you can't get get that on video, at least take down when it happened, where it happened, and pass all that information on. The more specific you can be, the better law enforcement can follow up and get the information they need to get warrants, get the animal out of that situation.
2: And I also, I want to make our listeners understand, I mean, a few weeks ago, we talked about a situation here in Manatee County where somebody, where we are located in in Florida, where somebody had left dogs in an apartment. And when, remember this, when the super came in, he fed and he watered the dogs, uh, thinking that the owner was going to come back. And three weeks later, they found Mm -hmm. the dogs dead in the apartment. So the Mm -hmm. one bad thing was, and so that does, that, that also applies to not necessarily civili- civilians too, but if you're in a situation where you're a managing agent or you're a business professional dealing with someone, if you're not sure, better to report than not report, would you say, David? Absolutely.
7: Uh, and that's that's true for practical realities, uh, the ones that you, you illustrate through that heartbreaking story. It's also true because you know, there are veterinary and legal issues that Unless you're an expert, you shouldn't have to be responsible for it. So always call the experts, let them make that call.
2: Great. Well, I'm going to ask you the last questions because we have about 30 seconds for you to answer. But lastly, how can Dr. Fleck and I, as well as our listeners, work within our communities to create stronger laws and tougher enforcement?
7: Get in touch with your local elected uh, officials and tell them that's what you want to see. Uh, we've got model legislation on our website at albf.org. We've got lists of all 50 states' laws. So you can actually look at different states and figure out what works next door and what's better than what you've got. And then you can specifically tell your lawmakers, hey, let's do that. This state has laws to get animals away from their abusers. Let's get one of those.
3: So, David, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, can you give us your website so we can learn more about the Animal Legal Defense Fund's National Justice for Animal Week, which, of course, is February 24th through March 2nd.
7: Absolutely. That is ALDF.org. Look us up, and we've got a lot of information for you.
2: Great. That's ALDF.org. So what a great interview, Dr. Thanks, Dr. Fleck. Well, really, really important. Absolutely. So, And also recognize that that, information can help you make a voting decision in your community, whether it's for a local legislator, as well as a sheriff. Well, stay tuned to learn more about next week's show. We'll be right back.
1: Know
4: what? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans.
6: Uh, I know, I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here.
4: Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. (laughs) Oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other.
5: She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies.
4: That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more.
0: more.
2: We're back, and you're listening to the Pet Buzz with pet Charlotte Reed and
3: veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
2: That's the bell signifying it's time to wrap up the show. But before I go, I want to give you a preview for next week's show. Next week's show, we're going to be talking about how a vaccine can help dogs with osteosarcoma. We're going to talk about pet-friendly airports and new toys for cats. That sounds good. Yeah. And don't forget, we've got to thank our guests.
3: Special thanks to our guests, Gabriel Ringel, Gregory Curtis, Dr. Sherry Sanderson, and David Rosengard.
2: And we always have to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. You have a question, write us at team@thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next show. Just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. We post our thoughts, notes, and pics so you can have a thoroughly enjoyable experience as you listen to the show. And If you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning.
3: Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets.
2: Peace out and pet love. Goodbye.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.
0: The views and
5: opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position
7: of the hosts and creators of this program.